From Hamilton Place Strategies in Washington, D.C., this is the HPS Insights Podcast. Welcome to HPS Insights, a podcast from Hamilton Place Strategies, analyzing the current events impacting the business and political communities. I'm your host, Brian DeAngelis, and today I'm teaming up with one of my colleagues, Elliot Owensby, to discuss Thursday's Judiciary Committee markup of Senator Klobuchar and Senator Grassley's American Innovation and Choice Online Act. Elliot and several others at HPS have been tracking this legislation and Congress's interest in competition policy, specifically targeting quote-unquote big tech. Uh, And he's working closely with others in the space concerned about some of these impacts uh, that these proposals may have on consumers. So Elliot, thanks thanks for coming on. Let me me hand it over to you to give us a, a little rundown and a brief introduction of our guest today. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Well, Well, I think, um, obviously, as the debate around all things antitrust and competition policy, and specifically big tech, continues to, uh, I I guess I would say evolve, but certainly continue um, in in the U.S. and in D.C., um, it's great to have uh, Adam Kovakovich with us from the Chamber of Progress. Um, Adam, if I can take it in reverse chronological order, first became an advocate in undergrad bringing grapes back to the dining hall, which I personally appreciate as a Fresno County kid. Adam, you went on, you spent some time with Sheriff Dooley and the new Democrats uh, and Senator Lieberman um, before you were at Google and working on all the things that came before the policy shop, um, including certainly issues with the FTC, uh, with broader engagement with policymakers. Um, You spent a stint at Lyme, and now here we are, without further ado, with the Chamber of Progress, um, which is a center-left advocacy organization dedicated to making sure folks understand the good parts of technology, which is something I want to get to today, because I think that's a little little, uh, maybe... uh, uh, not as prominent in the conversation, I think, as it, as it should be when we come to some of the impacts that these these things may have. So, Adam, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very kind introduction, too. Um, so maybe just to start with a little bit of kind of the state of play. So last Thursday, um, in a relatively brief four-hour markup, I think by Senate standards and by, by markup standards, um, certainly what, compared to what we saw in the House over the summer, um, the full Senate Judiciary Committee... Uh, marked up the legislation Brian mentioned from um, the lead sponsors from uh, Senator Klobuchar and Senator Grassley. Um, and I think just just by way of brief background, you know, the, the primary thrust, I would argue, of the proposal um, is related to this definition of what a covered platform is, if you will, essentially the platforms or, or businesses that would be subject to this um, new level of um, of scrutiny and, and these additional criteria around what they can and cannot do, um, primarily related to um, the the products and services that may interact with the platform in, in some way. Um, I, I realize that sounds vague if you're not paying close attention, but that is essentially a, pretty much what we do know at this juncture. Um, and 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 then the process, you know, coming out of markup, I, I think obviously in DC markups get a lot of attention, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything to most people. Um, you know, 
basically it's a kind of a, a, a class debate over the proposal in front of the committee. Um, and, and then from there, it's a relatively complex process to eventually come to a, to a full vote um, uh, before the Senate and, and then kind of continue through the legislative process. I think just lastly, I'd say that uh, what we heard from really bipartisan group of senators on Thursday is a concern with how this process has unfolded so far um, with relatively little um, kind of substantial uh, debate or or um, kind of that public hearing maybe that most people are, are familiar with when um, when Congress is working through some of these big issues. So um, with all of that, I think that's that's my uh, that's my quick version of, of where we are now. Um, and I think uh, I think we can we can kind of jump in on on some of these things. Maybe Adam, the place to start is just kind of high level. What was your reaction to to Thursday, and, and what kind of stood out to you on that and that discussion? I think what stood out to me was that it was actually a a pretty good debate over what was being proposed, what was at stake, and frankly, what the pros and cons of that approach are. So, you know, as you mentioned in brief, the bill by Senator Klobuchar would prohibit the five big tech companies, Amazon, Apple, Google, Meta, and Microsoft. Potentially, they've added TikTok, potentially um, uh, WeChat. Um, from preferencing their own products over those of competitors. So our view is that that would likely prohibit, for example, Amazon from featuring its Amazon Basics brand. Amazon couldn't highlight its Amazon Prime two-day shipped products. A new iPhone probably couldn't come pre-installed with iMessage or FaceTime or the Apple App Store. And I think you heard Senator Klobuchar during the hearing explain why she thinks this is a good idea, because her belief is that big tech services have crowded out um, services like Yelp and Spotify and made it harder for their services to reach customers. And we've, you know, we've seen those complaints for, for years. On the other hand, you had um, senators like Senator Feinstein, Padilla, Leahy, Coons, all voice reservations about that approach on a variety of, of concerns going from privacy to security to competitiveness, in, including convenience. You had this moment where Senator Padilla from California said, look, consumers like that they can go to Amazon or Google, search for a restaurant or a product, and within a few clicks, it's theirs. It's not clear to me that preferencing is a problem or at least a top concern. In many cases, it yields convenience. So you had, I think, in the in the committee meeting last week, these two opposing viewpoints being aired in, frankly, a substantive way. Um, and in Congress, I think, senators sort of facing the potential consequences of a, a ban on self-preferencing, what that would mean. Elliot, Adam, it, it did strike me as someone who follows this generally, but is not in the weeds, that if you, like me, are not paying close attention, you see a 16-6 vote and you think, okay, this thing's marching straight to the floor. But um, as Elliot mentioned a second ago, markups can tell us a lot about what's coming up. And given what you just raised, Adam, and some of what I read in terms of concerns, even for those who voted for, you seem a long way off from, from getting anywhere towards a floor vote. I think you see, it was really interesting if you've been following this issue closely to see the difference between the way the House operates and the Senate operates. Um, Both the House and the Senate Judiciary Committees, and there's a House version of this bill, have a a pretty strong custom of deference to the leaders of the committee and the leaders of the subcommittee. And so if you're, so there's not a lot of um, same party amending of bills in, in committees. So for example, if a Democratic, Democrats hold the committee 
uh, a bill is being considered by one of the, say, the Democratic subcommittee chair. Not a lot of other Democrats are going to amend it. Now, in the House debate we had last June, there were actually a number of Democratic amendments mm-hmm. offered by Congresswoman Lofgren. Um, in the, in the Senate, there were no Democratic amendments. There were 70-plus Republican amendments, most of which were withdrawn. But but so so on the I think you have to look at these things almost from kind of like um, you're sort of analyzing it, like what what happened between the lines. Was there a committee vote to vote out the bill? Absolutely. But when you have four Democrats on the committee saying, I'm going to vote for it, but this bill needs to change a lot. What they're basically saying is it's not ready for the floor. And I'm, I'm going to give you the courtesy, Senator Klobuchar, of not airing all of my substantive concerns through amendment. But this needs work. And you frankly, frankly saw this, you know, that happen on the Republican side as well. So I do think that, you know, you had Senator Grassley, who's, you know, kind of a noted straight shooter, say during the markup sure. that like this bill isn't ready to attract the necessary 60 votes. He's kind of a traditionalist in the sense of I think he he'd like to see that improvement happen through a markup. But I think what you saw happening instead over the course of the markup was more, more and more senators were basically saying, I'm going to express my concerns, signal to the bill sponsors that this thing needs a lot of work post markup rather than kind of air all of the substantive dirty laundry and force votes on amendments. I think that's the other thing that that stands out to me. And, and Adam, I may be stealing this from you. I can't, I can't remember if this is a point I saw from you on Twitter, actually. But, you know, it only gets more conservative within the Democratic caucus as you go beyond the Judiciary Committee. Right. Like if, that's right. if Alex Padilla, a freshman senator from California, is going to say, hey, actually, it kind of seems like there's some things we need to we need to work through here. You know, what does that pertain for? Uh, Senator Tester, or of course the uh, the, uh, the the cinema mansion combo, but you know right. I think that that's and and you mentioned sixty, I think that's relevant as well, right? I think the yep. the, the discourse has gotten so focused around this uh, kind of reconciliation, you know, math that um, that you need you need a substantial, uh, really uh, a larger chunk on the Senate floor to really move forward and certainly to actually enact legislation. So I think that's going to be a, that's a new, maybe a new calculation that we need to keep an eye on. That's totally right. The the judiciary committee is the committee that deals with judges and guns and abortion and all of these, you know, very partisan issues. And so it actually tends to attract, particularly on the Senate side, but also on the house side, the most um, partisan um, of of members, moderates don't really want to sit on the judiciary committees because they don't really want to have to vote on all of those things. That doesn't help a Kirsten Cinema. It doesn't help a Tester or a Hickenlooper or uh, or or Mansion. Right? It just doesn't help these votes. Right. Don't help them. So I do think it's sort of like, well, what's your plan? And um, you know, I think frankly, Congressman Cicilline has sort of seen this on the House side. He passed his bill. You know, was excited to get it out of committee. But frankly, it's encountered resistance from more moderate members of his of the Democratic uh, caucus in in the House. And I think a similar dynamic is very likely in the Senate as well. So, guys, I'm curious um, for both of you, I guess, uh, where do we go from here? It sounds like this this bill has some work to be done just to just to appease the Democratic senators on the on the committee. Never mind your last point, the broader caucus. Um, but I don't think it's any secret too, right, that the tech companies have strong opinions on this and are very concerned and are, and are out there being pretty vocal about that. So uh, where do you see this, this going over the next couple months? Well, I think it does depend on the strategy of its main sponsors, Senator Klobuchar in the Senate, Congressman Cicilline in the House. Do they 
try to make changes to address concerns of more moderate members, more moderate Democrats in order to win enough votes for passage, they would have to make um, probably fairly significant changes. And Congressman Cicilline in the House has shown no indication that he's willing to do that. Um, Senator Klobuchar, I would be surprised if she wants to, because again, you know, I think part of the, the premise of her bill is that self-preferencing is a problem and ought to be banned. And if you believe that, then, you know, you really, um, you, 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 then you're marching towards mandating pretty invasive, um, product design decisions, right. On the part of, uh, on the part of Congress. So, you know, I think, I think that it's not clear to me. And I think this is a kind of an, always an interesting question. Like, what is it? What is somebody going for? Are they going for the kind of the, the symbolic win? Hey, I got this bill out of my committee. Or are they going to enact the thing? Because if you're really going to enact the thing, you have to be prepared to make compromises. And, you know, members, um, there aren't a lot of things that start off, um, you know, where a members really got a really exciting idea is really excited about it. And then, and then they go march down the path of, uh, of making that thing maybe a little less bold to, in order to attract more votes. I haven't seen any indication that Congressman Cicilline is interested in doing that. I would be surprised. I can't, I can't believe if Senator Klobuchar does that either. How about on the um, right? I'm curious, you know, you do have some support. I think it was Cruz, Holly, obviously Grassley. Um, I, I believe I may be missing a fourth. Apologies. But uh, color me skeptical as a, as a former Senate guy. But, but just for the sake of argument, can they find 60 votes with a bigger coalition on the right coming along with some of the Democrats? I think that is like the, the million, the, the trillion dollar question is whether sure. it is a 30-30 or a, you know, whatever, 40-20 combination um, on across partisan lines. I think that when push comes to shove, you heard some pretty substantial concerns. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about um, um, some of the kind of definitional concerns and, and, and the process concerns. There were also, I think, substantial and valid concerns around national security, around, you know, this kind of like prescriptive policymaking. You know, essentially, uh, we didn't talk too much about the definitions, but you're talking about a really a revenue metric. And if you're above a certain, you know, um, uh, amount of revenue in the U.S., you're subject to these rules or you're not. You know, it's, it's just very, very um, binary. And I think on that front, there were concerns from the Republicans. Um, there were also, you know, these, these national security, these data sharing concerns. Now, Brian, maybe what you're really asking is the question is whether the conflation of some of these like perceived censorship issues, you know, which is a whole, we're going to do a separate podcast about why antitrust is not the tool for that. But, and, 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 you know, the degree to which it absolutely does not exist, but um, whether that sort of just anti-tech agita overall gins up enough um, broader Republican support. I think that's probably an open question, but I think from what you heard from the committee, again, from the kind of the, the folks that were really, really most engaged on it, my, my, my gut would say no, that would really that would really surprise me. Well, well part of my kind of grand theory of tech policy debates right now is that where where most politicians where many politicians start is a shared anxiety about the power of big tech. That's universal between yes. Republicans and Democrats. And then and, and so they all agree they want to do something. What I think you saw play out at the, the meeting last week was. Okay, then what happens when you go the next level down where you actually have a proposal in front of you that does certain things, right? So there's a section of the bill, for example, that is designed 
to address complaints that Spotify has made against Apple or that Yelp has made against Google. And it bans the big tech platforms from um, picking picking, uh, winners and losers among what's called similarly situated business users, right? But as Free Press, a a left-leaning public interest group, made the point uh, just before the markup that that actually would could very well be interpreted to prohibit Apple from um, blocking Apple from kicking off Parler off the App Store because that would be discriminating against or among similarly situated business users. And in the hearing, you had Ted Cruz actually say he liked that the bill, his, his read of the bill was that it was actually... It, stopping this kind of big tech censorship against parlor right. is that something right. that democrats really want to do i don't think so so this is where you you get kind of the specifics really mattering and to your point i think um brian elliott i don't believe party leaders ever want to bring things to the floor that a majority of their uh, their their own party doesn't support uh, that's just not good for them like and, and especially if if Chuck Schumer is not going to bring a bill to the floor that his moderates don't support because his moderates are the people who most um, face re-election risk this year. So it's just not it's not the kind of thing that would be brought to the floor with like 30 Democratic votes and 30 Republican votes. It's just that's just not the way the the House of the Senate work. Well, guys, um, this has been great. And, you know, I I know this hearing for many probably felt like the culmination of of months of efforts. But uh, you've left me convinced that we're still in the first quarter or so here. And um, we'd love to have you both come on again. I'm sure there will be plenty of moments over the next couple of months where we can dive deeper into this. Um, Adam, thank you for joining uh, your expertise and and take on this was tremendously helpful. Elliot, always a pleasure. And thanks to our guests for tuning into another episode of HPS Insights. You can find out more about Hamilton Place Strategies work in our podcast at www.hamiltonplacestrategies.com or by following us on Twitter at HPS Insight. We'll include Adam's uh, Twitter handle and uh, the Chamber of Progress website in our show notes as well for folks who want to check out more of his work on this issue and others. Um, Until our next episode, thank you for for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian DeAngelis. Thank you for listening to the HPS Insights Podcast, produced by Hamilton Place Strategies. For the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at HPS Insights, and follow us on the web at HamiltonPlaceStrategies.com. Strategies.com.